Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, everybody. I'm Tommy Dees, uh, back for another edition of Catfish Corner. And uh, Paul Scribina, uh, beat writer for the Tennessean, uh, covering the Nashville Predators, is not catfishing right now. He is uh, in parts unknown. We're, we are recording this while you're on the road, so why don't you tell us a little bit about where you are and what's going on? I'm back home for a short stay in Chicago for tonight's game. And um, a divisional game, and I think that's and and this is a big game in a lot of ways, I think, mainly because um Chicago is really not very good this year yet when the Preds were kind of mired in their um losing streak, uh Chicago was part of that. Yeah, they were, and I think the Hawks have been playing better of late. But so the Predators, so it's one of those games where you can always kind of just throw out the records and well, let me ask you this, um, as I am still a novice to the hockey world and the NHL and the Preds, um, where, where does Chicago rank? And, and let's just uh, do a little segment here on, and, and clue me in on what are who are Nashville's biggest rivals in the NHL? It's hard to say. I think Nashville looks at the Blackhawks as a rival. And the Blackhawks sure probably the Blackhawks have been around for a long time and don't look at Nashville the same way. Probably not. I would, I would say in their division, Winnipeg, is, you know, probably their, their biggest rival in terms of competition for playoff spot. Uh, they beat them last year in the playoffs. So I think, you know, it's it's hard for the Predators to have a lot of rivals. But I think, you know, certainly Chicago is one of them in their eyes, and I think Winnipeg is also. Yeah, and there's not not the same kind of geographic rivals that you might expect um, in, in a lot of sports where if there were still Atlanta Thrashers, I imagine that would probably be a big Atlanta Nashville thing that would spill over into hockey. Yeah, they move, you know, the divisions moving around, it's kind of wrecks some of those rivalries. I think the Blackhawks and the Red Wings used to have a rivalry and probably doesn't exist anymore being in different conferences. Right, which probably makes it a little more of a circle game, not in an in a eighty two game season that you have a lot of circle games like you might in a college football season where you got three big games that you're gonna gear up for. There's you know, you play a game, you maybe get a night off and you play again and um you may not know who you're playing if you're a player three not you know, three games from now because you just don't look at it that way. But for the fans no, I, for the Nashville fans, I gather that Chicago is probably the team they most want to beat, just from my limited exposure. Uh, from my limited exposure, I'd say you're absolutely right. Tell us a little bit about, um, if you could, about Chicago and why and how they've improved a little bit, because they were regarded as, as one of the worst teams in the league uh, at the time that they beat Nashville recently. Well, I mean, they went on two eight-game losing streaks. They lost their starting goalie again, just like they did last year. They fired their coaches, won three Stanley Cups. Um, you know, they're they're just suffering the after effects of salary cap, uh, the NHL, and 
I think Toronto, I mean, not, not, excuse me, not Toronto, but um, I think you're seeing Pittsburgh kind of going through that a little bit. The LA Kings going through that a little bit. Where they, you know, the teams that were successful three, four, five years ago, uh, they're now paying the price. And, and Nashville's been able to avoid that, and, and they were successful um, two years ago, and I think they were successful last year, although they, they made an early exit from the playoffs. But we're not far removed from a team that, that played for the Stanley Cup, and yet I don't see the, the roster at this point have been pulled apart by salary caps. Um, how, is no. I, how, is, how has Nashville been able to keep this together? Well, it's funny that you asked that, Tommy, because the story that I'm doing for tomorrow <laughs> and today uh, after online is I, I talked to Matias Ackholm, uh, who said recently that he, he makes more money than he knows what to do with because he's an undervalued guy in the NHL. And so I thought it was interesting that he said that he, you know, is not in it straight every last dollar out of, out of somebody. And I talked to Ryan Ellis, who also took less money to stay here. Um, Roman Yossi's contract, I think, is coming up in the next year or two. I don't think he would leave. Um, Pekka just signed on for a couple more years. So the long way to answer your question is, is David Coyle and the Predators have made this national place that players want to play. They want to be together. And, you know, it's not always about getting the most money. So they've been fortunate in that way. Yeah, and, and I gather, you know, like like every pro sport, when you put together a really good team, you kind of got a window um, when you can expect to, you know, maybe win a championship. And you see baseball teams, you know, adding pieces late in the season because they know this is their window. And then three years from now, for salary cap reasons, retirement reasons, whatever reason, they might not be able to sustain it. Um, Nashville is still in that window. Do you think that's had a – uh, an impact on some of those guys wanting to be here because they think they can win a Stanley Cup? I absolutely think that's the reason they want to be here. And they know that, too. You know, there's, a, there's a finite amount of time they have to do this. They, are, they don't get any younger every year. And this group has had a lot of success. Hasn't won the Stanley Cup yet, but I think that it's certainly capable of winning the Stanley Cup. So, so how long do you see that window as? Um, you know, I, I, it, Obviously, that can change with trades and and new talent emerging or, or a career ending injury or a lot of other things. But, you know, it looks to me like kind of, you know, your goalie is kind of like your franchise quarterback to some degree. And if you don't have one of those, it's hard to compete for, you know, the playoffs are won by goalies more or less. The guy who stands on his head through the playoffs ends up taking his team very far. Is a lot of this built just around Pekka and how much time he has left as an elite goalkeeper? I don't think they expect him to be an elite goalkeeper for as long as he has. Um, and I say that going into the future, right? So they signed him to a two-year contract extension. Um, but I think UC, they really believe he's the goalie of the future. And I think that, um, you know, he's not Pekka, but they're developing him at a rate that I think is smart and could pay off. And, you know, listen, goalies, it's always hard to tell, you know, long-term Success for know, how good a goalie is going to be two or three years from now. Pekka's been great during the regular season. Um, he would probably tell you that he kind of spit a bit during the playoffs last year a little bit. So I think, you know, I think they think they believe they have a goal in the future. These guys are young. Um, their window is three, four years. 
I mean, you know, it's like you say, a lot of it depends on a lot of other factors. And and if UC becomes the the next Pekka, so to speak, um, um, steps into an elite goalkeeper uh, status, then then that could be extended. Then then maybe you're looking for some of these pieces moving on at some point, but you bring in new pieces and you've still got the foundation. So so I guess it, it can be sustainable. Some teams are good year after year for a long time. Um, tell tell me more about UC. I did a story on him um, not terribly long ago, coming out of the last homestand. Um, and and the, his last, what I'd say three three or four starts have been really quality, and I think they played better hockey in front of him. I, I was, um, I won't say surprised, but but the fact that they started him on the road on this road swing, after they had had problems on the road previously, I think was a real vote of confidence. Yeah, and it's also playing back to back games. But you're right. I think he's had a really the last three or four games have been really good. He's had some really bad games. Before that, but I think a lot of it, like you say, has to do with what's going on in front of him, and that has not been great, even sometimes in front of Pekka. And Pekka gets a lot of credit. Pekka's really, really good, but and he's won some games, but he's not Pekka consistently without the guys playing well in front of him, without the Eccles, without the, you know, the, the Subans and, and the Ellisons and the Yossis. I mean, a lot of his success depends on those guys. Yeah, and I would I would assume that's true of, of of every goalkeeper. But but Nashville's kind of got the talent when they are all out on the ice and when they are all healthy to be one of the better defensive teams. And I think that showed up as much as 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 it showed up on the goal scoring end or lack of goal scoring end when when they went through their lull, um, you know, with all the injuries out and and hit the skid where they lost 10 in a row on the road and where they lost six in a row overall. Um, I, I thought the defense was a, as much, if not more, of a problem than the offense, although there were a couple of games where they just didn't play very good offensively. Well, if you look at it as a whole, though, the, the Predators, through all the injuries, all that's gone on, still be the leading goals against average. I think they give up 2.31 goals a game, something like that, which is the best in the league. I mean, I, which speaks to their defense, it speaks to their to their goaltending. And I think, you know, it's easy to look at the ugly losses and the long losing streaks. But I kind of look at things as a whole. And uh, as a whole, you can't really complain considering the circumstance. Well, well let's talk about the current road streak. Um, it, it was really important for them to break out of a of the losing end of it. And, and you know, I think it kind of started – with that, even though they came back home with that win in Washington, where they beat a quality team, and and they, you know, they're getting people back on the ice, and they they seem to be a much more formidable unit all the way around. Um, there's more speed, there's more energy, there's more opportunities created, and it's harder to score against them. You're, it looks to me like you're starting to see what Nashville, what Predators hockey is is and can be this season. Well, you saw at the beginning of the season when they won eight games in a row on the road. But, you know, and everybody was healthy. And, uh, you know, then they went on a long losing streak. That's just the ebbs and the flows of the season. But I think you, you start seeing guys come back and you start seeing them go back to what they were being earlier in the season with everybody in their proper roles. Then, uh, you know, I think you're going to see a team that's very hard to beat no matter where they're playing. So we, we have passed uh, technically the halfway point of the regular season, and uh, you did a kind of a, of a 
an assessment of that on uh, Tennessean.com. Um, first of all, let me ask you a few questions that, that are kind of report card type questions. Uh, kind, of, kind of what kind of grade, uh, like school grade, would you give the Predators for the first half of the season? I would probably say around a B. And that's just, you know, with an asterisk with, because of the injuries. I mean, I think other, their, their biggest, their biggest problems are in the power play. And they acknowledge that and they know that. To me, though, it's even more impressive that they've been able to be as successful as they have playing so horribly on the power play. They're so good five on five. Their goal sending is so good. I think, you know, that it, 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 it makes up for that, that, lack of a power play, a future power play. But other than that, I don't really see any huge holes in this team. And and who would you say in your assessment what would be the MVP maybe of the, the first half of the season, considering all the injuries and everything? I'm going to give you the cheap answer. And I'm going to Packer Rainey is by far the MVP. Now, that said, I think if you look offensively, Ryan Johansson, is having a great year, despite not having most of Horsberg, Arson, next one for half the season. Um, and that's, that's tough. You know, that top line is so good when those guys are together. And he's had to do it with a piecemeal. And he's been consistently good. Um, defensively, I mean, Roman's having a great year. Um, and I think Eckholm is a guy without him. If he were, if he were hurt, or they didn't have him during the stretch. I think that they lose five or six more games. Yeah, he he's an unsung kind of guy. He doesn't always show up in your stat sheet, big, real big. But but he may he has a presence on the ice. Well, he can move around to different positions defensively. It's hard for guys to do that. So he plays on his offside sometimes. So he so he can have the right pairings out there that they want. And that's a challenge for a hockey player. I mean, if you're right-handed or left-handed. And you try to throw with the opposite hand or right with the opposite hand or and doing it at that speed. I you know, I talked to Peter this morning, Lot and he, he called that home pretty much irreplaceable. And it's easy for him to get lost behind guys like Stu Man and Yoski and Alda. And then, you know, the story's been told. He's the unsung guy on the team. But it really is the truth. So I, but if I had to go on yeah, and that's uh, that's hard to argue. He's a uh, um, very, very good. He's had a lapse here or a lapse there, but it's almost always, in my my viewing, been when he's been left hanging out to dry. Um, when there's a defensive uh, lapse somewhere, uh, it's it's when when they play decent defense against him. Um, God, just watching him during during morning skates. Um, they can't put, you know, with no defense, they off, mostly can't put a goal past him. Yeah, he, he, you know, he never stops working. I, I watch him. I, I'm like you. I watch these guys when there's nobody around. And you can see what goes into the craft and what, and what shows up on game night. And and you mentioned, I think, that in your, your you know, halftime, uh, half-season assessment about the power play. You and I have both watched them during practices and morning skates work endlessly on on trying to improve that and and a, a few times lately um starting maybe late december you started to see it pay off at least they got a goal or two and even a few times when they didn't get goals you could see a lot more organization 
better passing, better better shot opportunities. It's one thing to to push the puck toward the goal. It's another thing to push it there with authority because two passes before that set you up to do it. You're, you're right. They've looked a lot better. The results have been there a little bit more. I think that number that you look at for the conversion success rate, uh, it's going to be hard to bring that number a lot higher because they're so far into the season. So even though it could get better quickly, um, you know, the, the number at the end of the season might not look great. But, you know, that doesn't really matter. All that really matters is they get it together now uh, or in the near future, look out. Yeah, it's what you are when you go into the playoffs that matters. Um, That's what it's all about. You know, you you can be, you know, to some degree, I think, over the course of a season, you kind of are what you are. If their percentage at the end of of the regular season is 13% on, on power plays, they're not likely to become a 60% power play team in the playoffs. That that's a, that is a weakness. But if, if it's 18 or 14 or 16 on the season, but it's come up dramatically at the end of the year, even though the numbers don't weigh out to make it a high number, you, you know that they can do that in the playoffs. Well, look at it like this. How many more games do they have won at this point in the season that their power play was – Average, probably one or two or three more games. I would guess. That sounds so about right. right. When it comes to the when it comes to the playoffs, I mean that's what you want to have it. Yeah, and, and in playoffs, you know, a, a goal is is much more um, weighted, uh, much more valuable. They're harder to come by. Um, it's, it's like mining for gold. You know, look, sifting through the the um, the water and the rubble in California and hoping you find a gold nugget. Um, you know, you can go. You can go games where you might not score. You score one, might be the difference. Yeah, it's, uh, the NHL players are so much different. So, tell me what where um, the rest of this uh, month looks like to you. Where, where they're at, they seem to be playing better hockey. Obviously, they've got pieces back. This is a month where they're almost entirely on the road. I know there's an all star. Breaking there somewhere, but the, but they only got they've only got four home games left this month, and, and only have only played one. So I, th- I think this is a key month um, for the Preds to to at least hold, if not improve, their position. Um, even getting a point in, in some games is going to be crucial, I would think. Well, even the loss in Detroit, which was a horrible, horrible game for the Predators, they had no business even going to overtime in that game. They stole a point there. They can do that here or there in games that they don't play well. I think they'll be, you know, they'll be fine. They also have another break coming in, the all-star break, and then they have their beat off built in around that. So they're going to be seven days off the ice. And I think that's more time to mend. And come back in February and, uh, you know, go for the home stretch for February, March. And this, this road trip, look, they beat some good teams. That's what I was going to say. And, it was starting with the Washington win. You know, some of the – some of the things that was ugly during the losing streak was they were losing to bad teams. I mean, it seemed like every team came in here was 500 or worse, and they were losing some of those games. Now they're beating teams that are really good. And that goes to show you they're just they're getting they're getting guys back and getting back up to speed. And they are an elite team, so they should be. You know, they should be beating elite teams and uh, not not losing to the mediocre teams. So basically, you're saying for for the rest of the month, with with four more home games, some people need to start stockpiling catfish. 
I, I wasn't. I want you to see the cat this time. Yeah, they allegedly threw one on the ice at the last game, but I'm still believing that was photoshopped. You you claim it, but I don't. I don't really. I didn't see it. If I don't see it, didn't happen. If you didn't see it, if you didn't see it, didn't happen. Exactly. And and look, you know, don't throw a guppy sized catfish in. So, I mean, look the, the the thing I saw. That, that was on Twitter that was allegedly a catfish in a, somebody's hand who was skating off the ice with it, barely could be seen outside of his hand. That's one thing. I'm not even sure it was a catfish. But, um, you know, get a real catfish. Uh, I want to see two to four where pounds. You go down to the Cumberland. these things when they come in? You go down to the – well, that's, that's a story that your enterprise writer at the Tennessee may have to explore if they start bringing them in. You know? I'll, have to, I'll have to check on that for you. All right. Yeah, that's that's something that needs to be looked into. I agree. Okay, well, I think we've got a good picture of uh, where the Preds are at, which is uh, currently in Chicago, and where they will be when they come home again, which is soon. And um, we will be talking to um, all of you people again next week on the Catfish Corner. Say goodbye, Paul. Goodbye, Paul.